Accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. Just people. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you're ready for a deep dive into everyone's favorite race, the Ferengi. We're going to be talking about the Nagus episode 11 of season one of Deep Space Nine. This one was directed by David Livingston. Story goes to David Livingston. Teleplay goes to Iris Stephen Bear. It aired back on March 21st, 1993. In this one, retiring Grand Nagus Zek announces Quark as his successor over his own son. Meanwhile, Cisco frets over his son's devotion to his friend Nog, a known troublemaker. Clay is here to talk about this one. Clay, how are you doing? Feeling particularly capitalist today? Uh, I'm good. I th- this, this is an interesting episode for me because I'll be honest, up to this point, this show isn't real. You, you guys aren't really selling the show to me so much. <laughs> <laughs> but this episode, um, uh, I don't know. We could talk about. I feel like this this one might be more of a calibration episode for me. So we'll, we'll we can get into it. Sure, I think that's yeah. I think that's a, it's a good place to start. It's it's certainly better than Move Along Home. I'll I'll say that uh, to sort of spoil what I think about it. But we're gonna get into it. Uh, I'm gonna play an audio clip right now. We'll come back and we'll talk about the Nagus right after this. And so the Andorian says. Your brother. I thought it was your wife. <laughs> Get it? Wife? <laughs> Had to think about that one, didn't you? <laughs> I'm looking for Quark. You found him. <laughs> I'm Crocus. And this is my father, Grand Nagus Zek. Tell me, is the Grand Nagus here on business or pleasure? Is there a difference? No, of course not. What's funny, Clay, is that uh, to get to get to my innermost fears and everything is that the people who are doing the podcast with me now, uh, not getting into, not liking early Deep Space Nine enough, where they will be like, you know what, I'm just <laughs> I'm just done watching that show. I'm not going to continue on. So I feel like I have to be kind of a cheerleader here. Although you've heard, I've been on the Twitter feeds where people say that just wait till such and such an episode comes along. Um, they do get better, but I guess let's talk about how do you feel about the series so far in general terms before we even get into the Nagus. Is there anything you want to say? Well, I am willing to cut it some slack. Because I know that TNG had a similar problem. Um, I think, unfortunately, I don't know. I can't. I can't decide if it's a, if it's a fortunately or unfortunately thing. The the fact that I'm watching fewer episodes and it's a show that I'm not as familiar with the characters, I feel like I have a bit more of a learning curve with this one. Sure. With this show, because you know. I, I don't really give a shit about these guys yet. You know, I don't I don't care about Bashir yet. I don't care about Dax yet. I don't care about Kiri. I mean, the fact that I know their names is something, but um you know, like there's it's not it, it hasn't hooked me yet. Um and this episode in particular um yes, way better than the last one. But still I found it to be fairly unengaging. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if that's because I don't yet care about the hierarchy of the Ferengi 
or if like I'm not yet sold on the relationship of of uh, uh, Cisco Jake and, his and son, Nog. yeah, uh, or Jake oh, and Nog. Okay, yeah. Like yeah. I, you know, I, I'm not. When I said it's a calibration thing, it's like this seems like this episode seems like more in line of what they're trying to do on the show, where it's like it's less a uh plot driven exploration kind of thing and more of like this is these are the situations that happen inside the walls of Deep Space Nine kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, let me know, like do you I, I agree with that. I'd also say that what something that this episode does well that sort of distinguishes itself from Deep uh TNG is that the end of this episode, there's no hint that there's going to be a serialized story off this, right? Like the story is complete mm-hmm. at this point. However, I feel that what happens in this episode will have an impact on other episodes going forward, right? Because they're not they're not leaving the scene of the crime at the end of this episode. Like the the Nog thing might not be a hundred percent. Cisco Commander Cisco might not look at the Nog thing as a hundred percent good thing going down the line. But I feel like this episode has to have an impact on how he's going to react in future episodes about it. Well, the, the fact that they, uh, you know, it actually surprised me a little bit. The fact that they carried over the uh, Jake and Nog thing from at all from the last episode. Sure. Like, yeah. it, it seemed like such a throwaway thing in the last episode, which I think to the to the detriment of the last episode because it never really came back at all. Like it was, he, it just sort of is like what happened at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. It was the first five minutes basically warming, uh, warming people up for what move along home would eventually become. But honestly, I mean, I think the fact that it was in there makes me, makes it a little bit easier for me to follow what's going on this one because it's, you know, I, I was already, already, uh, introduced to the, to the, that relationship. Right. Um, but yeah, this one was this one was weird because like I, I felt like it was really, I felt it was pretty boring. I yep. it was I thought it was a pretty boring episode. I up until hundred percent agree that it's a boring episode. The last maybe ten minutes or so, where they kind of you know the story kind of makes the turn in both the A and the B plot, and I was and I my reaction was okay. That's that's at least an interesting. That's interesting character stuff. Like the fact that his son is is tutoring his friend. I thought that was good character stuff. And uh the twist about the Ferengi uh leadership at the end. I thought, was, you know, it was pretty good. Like again, it, it's sort of like it doesn't really doesn't really have any bearing on anything, but it's sure. It's a, it's a neat way to tie that story up. Yeah. Um it, but uh but yeah, like I mean, so the ending kind of redeemed it a little bit for me. Um and made me a little bit hopeful moving forward. But for the ninety percent of it, it was another one where I just felt like I was checking my watch. Yes, and I guess I'll clarify a little bit of what you've said so far. I feel that to this point, the characters haven't earned anybody's affection. So the fact that yeah. you're missing episodes doesn't feel to me like you're. When I'm watching this and you're not watching it, I kind of say, "Oh, that's a scene that Clay should have watched." But I only say it's like one scene. It's not like the, the, you're missing episodes where some good stuff is happening. Mm-hmm. So. The characters aren't really anything special at this point. I feel like Cisco is head and shoulders above everyone. Odo and Quark are pretty good at this point. And then after that, it's kind of a drop off. Um, we actually haven't seen Chief O'Brien in a while. He comes back in this episode, but he he's Thank still there. God, yeah, he's he's a presence that is a, a very much missed. I, I, once again, I would watch an entire season of Chief O'Brien substitute teacher. <laughs> Hanging with Mister O'Brien. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that the. <laughs> 
I think that the the show itself, this episode is better than the last one I watched just because it's doing all the Deep Space Nine stuff. It's not a good episode to me, but it's doing the stuff that makes the show different than what TNG would have been. Where, mm-hmm. how are you saying that the Jake and Nog stuff, in TNG, the Jake and Nog stuff would have been, Jake would have been a character we've never met before, and he's having a trouble with another kid on the Enterprise, and that's the only episode that you ever see those characters in. Right. The the Nog and Jake thing is going to be a storyline that goes for many seasons in this series. So That's interesting. So it, I was... Oh, I was just going to say, I was going to ask, is the Cisco and his son stuff, do you feel like that's them trying to redo what they attempted to do with uh, Crusher and Wesley? Yes, and, yes. And are they? do you think they are doing it better? They're doing it much, much better. I, I mean, I, yeah. I get a... I used to not really like their relationship, but I'm a little bit older now. It used to kind of just annoy me that they were having that kind of stuff in the show when I was younger, and I didn't really care about the relationship uh, between the father and son, stuff like that. But now that I'm a little bit older, I do think they do it really well. Like, I think yeah. that I think that Avery Brooks and Sirach Lofton, I think his name are, um, play a pretty good father-son pair here. And the best scene in this one to me is the very end when he says, uh, he says, you're a good boy, Jake, or whatever. And he says, go hang out with your friend. And then that's the, the like the ending credits roll. And then um, they both check out the sweet ass on that yeah, Vulcan the, that walks sweet, by. <laughs> the Vulcan is, is the our, wrong race to hit on, though, right? Like I the was Vul- going to say, are the Vulcans the sexiest race? Is that what they are like? That, is that the seed that they're planting? Well, it's because they're not even trying, right? That's what makes them yeah. so goddamn desirable is that they don't, yeah, they don't like even care. Yeah, it's like that One Direction song. They don't even know that they're beautiful. <laughs> Yeah, I think that the and I think it's stuff like that. Do you find the this has probably been the episode that's it's had the most prominence in? Do you find the Cisco and Jake stuff relatable? Do you think it's a reboot of Crusher and Wesley? It felt like I I, I couldn't help but feel like they were trying to 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 I don't know if they were trying to uh, consciously redo that, but it seems like they were it was the same kind of dynamic, but they have the benefit of being able to push it towards the front a little bit more. Sure. Because, um, I mean, it's it's an interesting dynamic, but when it's dealing with, you know, a third-tier character like it was on TNG, you don't really have a lot of screen time for it. You can't really do much with it. Um, Jake also doesn't have the obnoxious Mary Sue personality where he's yeah. going to save the day in every episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so, I mean, so far I think it's been pretty good. Like, if if you cut out all the, the garbage in the last episode, I mean, the little bit that they give you with, with the father and son is is, is pretty good. Um, yeah, he's – Cisco is an interesting father. His fathering – his parenting techniques are, are interesting because they are I, – I still can't get a read on him to on uh, for to a certain extent because, like – Sometimes I feel like he's a little bit looser than, say, a Picard character, but on a, a, other times he feels like he's even harder than Picard. Yeah. So his fathering techniques is 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 very. It kind of it kind of goes back and forth between. Hey, how about you just want to let's go play some baseball and all and like be here at five o'clock so we can talk about vaginas. You're right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that he. Cisco as a character is kind of he can be much more sort of militaristically and chew your head off type of an officer, mm-hmm. but he's also much more friendly and engaging than Picard was at the same time. He kind he kind of he's kind of the two extremes in the same person. Mm. And I feel he's the same way with Jake. He's 
he's obviously very strict with Jake, but at the same time, he's very accommodating of him and what he wants to do and like where they want to go and like how much time they want to spend with each other. And, you know, eventually he lets him hang out with Nog and everything like that. So it's not, he's, he's not a completely rules with an iron fist father, but at the same time, he is still, he still is constantly keeping an eye on Jake, right? That's the kind mm-hmm. of the point of this story. Um, he, he's always going to be watchful over him. I think that the, I, th- I think that the, the, my big takeaway from this episode is that there's the two plots. There's the Jake and Nog plot, then there's the Ferengi government plot. Um, both of them are are okay. <laughs> I'll say they're okay on their own. Uh, both of them have kind of problems with them that knock them down from being great. I think the Jake and Nog stuff is a little bit undone by the fact that the kid actors are still young and they haven't settled in to things yet. Mm. They don't have a lot of time. I thought Nog was pretty good. Nog is, I, Nog's pretty good, I think. Yeah. I was wondering if he was older than he's supposed to be playing because I feel like he was he was kind of yeah, he he was he was better at playing a Ferengi than uh, Worf's kid ever was at playing. Oh, playing a Klingon, right? Yeah. Um, let me see here. He he's is that Aaron Eisenberg? He must be. I think that uh, he is Nog. So he's forty eight at this time. So he would have been twenty. He would have been older than. Yeah, yeah, so he's an older actor, yeah. yeah. Um I think that the, those guys work well together. I think that the 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 acting could be a little bit better. Jake Sisko will get a little bit older, uh, a little bit better as the season wears on and everything or the series wears on. The Ferengi stuff is the meat of this episode, and I think that the Ferengi stuff while simultaneously trying to deepen our understanding of Ferengi culture, only makes things a little bit more confusing to me about how the Ferengi operate. Um, I'll lead that off by saying, do you think that the the move to turn the Ferengi into sort of a mob light is a good idea? Um, or was that always your understanding of the Ferengi, that they were always kind of just a, like a, a nonviolent version of the mob? No, I guess I never really thought about it like that. I don't know if I like it. Um... Because it seems, uh, it, it makes their, it, it, it seems to make their, uh, their nature more of a, uh, thought out, um, oh, like they're sort char- of, yeah, they're trying to, they're actively creating this sort of yeah, persona as for themselves. Yeah, to just being like the, it's, you know, the, I always understood the Ferengi, uh, their greediness or whatever, just being, that's just how they are. Sure. Um, and not that that was like the basis of their society was, you know, greed is good, you know, I, so I, although I guess, I don't know. I mean, uh, who cares? I mean, do, do, do <laughs> like you think that it's kind of a toss up because it's like, I don't know if it really adds anything, but if you don't do that, I don't think it really takes anything away. So, yeah, yeah. I, I kind of, I don't like the mobby aspect. Of yeah. Them. I, I think that I'd rather, and like, I'd rather have a, I don't know if I'd be, they're always criticized as being capitalist, right? Like that's the criticism of the Frankie is that they're like, oh, they're a commentary on capitalist societies. And I, I don't think they really are. They're kind of this weird, they like they, they have sort of a religious inclination towards business in a lot of mm. sense. Like it's not like they're, they're not particularly capitalist because they're not interested in, 
you know, to get like sort of technical, they're not interested in like controlling production or anything like that. They're really just kind of interested in wheeling and dealing with people. Yeah. And in that sense, they their mob mentality makes sense to me at the same time because they are they don't have really any ethics besides this is the wheeling and dealing that we want to do. But at the same time, it doesn't really give their society a lot of structure that I'd be like, yeah. oh, that's interesting. And that's why they would actually want to do that. Like the at a certain point, they hit a Klingon level, right, where it's like, well, why aren't they all just killing each other in the name of profit at this point? Mm, mm. Um, I, this, I this do is think. The, oh, sorry. Well, before you get off your point, this is yeah. the introduction of they mentioned it a couple of times. The rules of acquisition, which are going to be the guiding principles of Ferengi society. Two of them are mentioned in this episode. You have uh, rule of acquisition one. Once you have their money, you never give it back. Rule of acquisition mm-hmm. six is never allow family to stand in the way of opportunity. Um, but that's going to sort three of... three is never get high on your own supply. <laughs> that's right. There's going to be like a hundred and something of these rules that uh, as the series goes along. But those are the two of them. Um, did you disagree or agree with anything I just said about the Ferengi? Well, I, no, I don't, I don't disagree. I, I was just thinking about how interesting it is that uh, all of these races that they introduce always have, they always end up going back to some sort of weird, like, pseudo, pseudo-religious pseudo base. Like, there's something sort of like, the the Nagus here is, is sort of like one part godfather, one part like... Pope. Uh, yeah, Pope. Yeah. And, like... Every single one of the races that they have seem to do the same thing. The Vulcans, who are all very uh, logical, have a weird religious aspect to them. Yeah, right. Yeah, the, yeah. the Klingons, who are all about honor and whatever, and you know, war, have a weird religious aspect to them. That's like that's like the driving force of their of their culture. It's like it, it all. It's not just like oh yeah, no, we also we have we're also Baptist. It's like no, the Baptists are the source of our entire culture. Yes, right. And it's it's very odd given um, given how you know quote unquote forward thinking the uh, the world is supposed to be here that all of these new they they're still treating all of these new races basically as like one step removed from savages like yeah. the, the the traditional. Uh, uh, colonialist idea of like what a savage is, basically. Sure, it's 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 fairly interesting. I mean, and I think that uh, to take it from a Deep Space Nine angle, it's actually interesting in this to me that Cisco and Jake are having a conversation about Ferengi and human relationships, right? And Cisco says that uh, humans and Ferengi don't really get along because we don't have a lot in common, basically. Mm-hmm. Like that's his kind of thing. Which I don't know if you disagree. To me, that feels that's a new sort of perspective. Star Trek. TNG would never have said that, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, the the fact that Cisco seems to be saying he's kind of proven wrong ultimately that there are certain we will just never be able to sort of reach a common ground with the Ferengi. They're too different from us, which is a not really true because I do feel that there's a lot of human society that would like what the Ferengi are all about. Um, there's a certain you know a certain kind of like business style and things like that that would be very interested in what the Ferengi are doing, but the bigger part of their culture that we've kind of learned about now is that they're highly misogynistic. Um, they don't like fem- females doing anything and they're, they're unbound by ethics outside of their sort of code of making money. Um, down to the thing of, they don't want to be sending their kids to school, um, to learn things because then they'll learn ethics. And does the, the fact that the Frankie don't send their kids to school, does that make sense to you? Is that a good business decision at this point? 
Uh, no, yeah, I, I don't think so at all. I mean, what, what it's all coming down to is that for me, the Ferengi just feel like a kind of hodgepodge of different cliched stuff that's coming together, and it's not really making a lot of sense to me at yeah, this point. I mean, I think that 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 goes a little bit in line with the religious backstory or the religious uh, um, su- subtext, not subtext, but like what I was talking about before, uh, because it's it's th- that stuff seems really easy to fall back on. Like, uh, that sort of, um, backstory for a civilization is, is very, uh, simplistic. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like, like you're saying they end up becoming a lot of cliches and a lot of, um, not really well defined. Cause you know, if I, if I was, if I was, if I was a Ferengi, I would absolutely send my kid to a human school because, you know, if you learn the way that the humans think you have a better chance of. Screwing them over. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Right. That's that that would be my point with it. It feels like they they're just limiting themselves in a way that doesn't really make sense. And if they're if their ultimate drive is to get this kind of like quote unquote profit thing going, they have a lot of rules in place that prevent them from getting that done mm. in a lot of ways. And also, you know it would be an interesting character change if uh Quark's brother there, the guy the one that looks like David Duchovny. Yeah. Uh <laughs> If he was like, you know what, I want you to go to school. I want you to learn ethics because I don't want you to be like. I, it would be interesting to have a different character in in that world in, sure. from that race. You know, I mean, it's like not not every Ferengi. I mean, obviously, it's part of their 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 thing is that they're greedy or whatever. But it doesn't doesn't mean everyone exactly has to be exactly the same. Right. You yeah. Know, the, why, the monoculture. Why you, yeah. Why can't you send your send your kid to uh to to school to learn about different cultures? You know, I. Having a having a world where the human idea is that everybody is is kind of cool with each other, and we're all kind of learning from everybody else. We want to learn from all these other new uh, new societies, but then having every society they meet be very closed off and not like that in any way. Right. Even like single characters, single people from those societies is very strange. I yep. mean, maybe it's maybe it's easier from a storytelling standpoint to deal with. But I feel like a Ferengi, a Ferengi who is kind of not necessarily rejecting his culture, but encouraging his son to to learn about it and maybe take a different tack would be would be would be interesting. And I mean, obviously, we're kind of going off of what this episode's about now. But it's it's just a it, w- it would be an interesting direction to go. Well, you should you should write for the show. <laughs> I'll, <laughs> I'll leave it at that. But we do come back. All these characters are going to come back. Um Nog, Rom, Quark, everyone is going to be here for uh, a very long time. So they do start to flesh out the Ferengi going forward a little That's bit good. better than this. Um, I, I think that the 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 problem here is that the the Ferengi. Like, the, I'm fine with the plot mechanics of this episode. I think it's fine. It's uh, it's Wallace Shawn from Princess Bride playing the Nagus, which makes me laugh. Mm. Um, I think that the I think that the plot mechanics are here are fine. It's a fine little mystery. Everything ties out together. I just don't feel that the the Ferengi here. It feels like they're trying to flesh them out at the expense of having a really sort of captivating story going on behind what they're talking about. Because yeah, a lot of it's just Quark gets held to the Nagus. He gets he's scared. He's going to get killed. He gets betrayed by his brother. That's the end of it. It's a it's not a particularly captivating story outside of what they're trying to do to show us how Ferengi society works and the ins and outs of it. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean the 
we have more mentions of the hollow sweets here the nagus apparently loves his hollow sweets quark apparently has the best hollow sweets because everyone comes to travel to quarks to try them out um he'd hate to be a janitor at quarks i think is the sort of the long and short of it um yeah i don't know you sent you sounded a little bit more i don't know would you say that you like this episode or would you say that you just thought it was a just kind of a, a different change of pace from what you'd seen before yeah, I, I don't know if I would say I liked it, but I think it's a step in the right direction. Let's put yeah. it that way. Yeah, yeah. Did um, like I, I don't I don't I would never go back and watch this episode again. No. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think that the um Yeah, even just to revisit uh Mr. O'Brien. I guess we should talk about O'Brien here. He wasn't in the episode for a long time because he went to Earth to visit his in laws because it was his mother in law's hundredth birthday. Um, that's fine. You can take some PTO for that. He comes back and he's his wife has him assume her job <laughs> until she returns. Um, I don't know. I think I think Miles O'Brien is biting off a little bit more than he can chew at this point. I don't think he needs to be teaching the kids in addition to fixing the uh, the station and all that stuff. I think he should be in every scene of every episode with his sleeves rolled up, ready to do. Because yes. he, he doesn't have anything. He doesn't do anything else in this episode, right? Besides, I think just the kids. That's it. He's only in the. No. Uh, yeah, he's only there really to tell Cisco that his. His, uh, oh, his right. son's acting up with uh, Nog there. Yeah, yeah. And Cisco fires back with, well, you've, you've only got a three-year-old for a daughter, so what the hell do you know? Yeah, eat it, Miles. Eat it, Miles. Do you, I mean, but you think that this episode uh, brought some characterization that you're missing between Jake and Nog, and you thought that the... Uh, did you learn anything about Quark? Or is this just kind of an episode that happens to Quark? Yeah, it's he just sort of happens to him. Yeah, like I mean, I, he doesn't act in any way that I would expect him not to act. Yep, yep. Um, we met Rom. I think this is first. Rom is his brother. That's the first time you met him. Oh right. I mean, yeah. it, it ties into the thing of like, why aren't all the Ferengi just cheating on each other all the time? And it, it kind of it's this weird thing I have with the Ferengi pro- plot line where while it's happening, I'm questioning why this happens this way, and then when it wraps up, I'm like, well, there could have been no other way to wrap this up kind of thing Mm -hmm. so i feel relieved when it wraps up at the same time i'm a little bit torn about it as we're going through it um i think that oh there's an homage shot to the godfather in this i didn't i didn't get that i don't know if it was shot well enough or if i'm familiar enough with the godfather to actually make my way through it i wonder if i think the more ferengi that are around on deep space nine uh the 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 less interesting they become Okay, because the reason that I, I find them interesting is because they are sort of like the chaotic factor. Yep. Um, uh, entered into the uh, they're they're the chaos that's that that Cisco is trying to control more or less. Yep. Like they they are. I shouldn't say they are the chaos, but they they are more. Um, uh, they're. It's more likely that they're going to uh, egg on the chaos than sure. they are going to you know put the fire out yep yep and so i find that to be interesting but i don't really find it interesting if it's just a bunch of ferengis talking to each other because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like what's yeah, the yeah. like what what point do they serve as a you know it's just it's because it's it it ends up be going you end up going in like a you know uh uh an Ouroboros of, of people yelling and cheating at, on each other and then trying to fuck everybody. And it doesn't serve anything else. Other sure. Than just to be like, hey, isn't it crazy if you got a bunch of these guys together? Right. right. They're all short. It's hilarious. Look at yeah. them. Yeah. 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 I, I think I'd agree with that. I think that they do. 
And that, that probably ties into my thing about like their society doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Like the, how it, how the Ferengi Alliance actually manages to hold itself together doesn't make a lot of sense when you show them all together. But if you just sort of mm. have them spread across the galaxy and they all just kind of do their own thing, which to me would make thematic sense with them, right? Because they should sort of be competing with each other all the time. Uh, their sort of cooperation doesn't make a lot of sense, but if they have their own little bar and they have their own thing going on and they have their own scams running in the background, I think it, it works better for all the characters and you don't run into those kind of problems. And like what, so if, if the, if the, if the, the nature of these, this people is that they are, uh, you know, cheaters and swindlers, what is the Ferengi homeworld like? Is it, is it just like the floor of the stock market where everybody's yelling at like, or, yep. You know, it, it's one of those things where it's it's uh, when you when you make that character aspect at the forefront of the character, it's like this is what their society is about. It's, it's very hard to 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 picture what that would be like and have it be in any way um, effective or structural. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess that I was I'm trying to think about why the ships of them don't bother me, right? And it's because I can I can kind of see a ship of Ferengi running itself like a business which is what Quark and his family have here. They have the business where Quark's in charge. And for some reason, I have trouble translating that kind of thing to a society of them, where it makes sense that like a single ship could be considered a business and there's the CEO who tells everyone else what to do and they all work for him. Um, As a society, it doesn't seem that way. And the Nagus doesn't come across like a boss, right? He comes across like a prophet who will screw you over if he wants Mm. to and you have to respect because of his position you have to sort of allow him to buy you out or something Mm -hmm. and that that just doesn't ring true to me i I would have preferred the nagus to be would it have been too cheesy to you if he came in and he was like a highly efficient businessman would that have been (laughs) would that have been okay if he was concerned about like if he was constantly wanting to talk about like the uh them being in the red and stuff like that. Do you think that's too cheesy, or is that a better way to take the Ferengi? Um, I don't know. I think it would. I uh, I think I would have liked it. If, I mean, maybe maybe I would have liked it if they went the other way and had the ne- the Nagus just turn out to be like the entire that entire position was a scam on his part. Okay. Um, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. it's it's the the ulti- ultimate pyramid scheme where he becomes the the leader of the people. Right. It's only it's only there so he can get to the point where he can take a vacation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that I think that would actually work. Yeah. Um, I think I don't I don't really have a lot to talk about. I mean, this this episode is basically just about the Ferengi and fleshing them out. Um, I don't think the plot is particularly interesting, but the Jake and Cisco stuff is fine, and everything here is just about moving forward. So we'll go to. Final thoughts. We'll wrap this one up. We'll read some patron thoughts, and then we will close it out. Jake. Dad. What are you doing here? I was waiting for you. (laughs) Dad. You're a great boy. You know that? I'll go be with your friend. All right. Closing thoughts for the Nagus. We'll get to patron thoughts and then we'll move into uh, me and Clay's final thoughts here. Mecca Jeff writes, The Nagus, I think this episode laid a lot of groundwork for how the series would present the Ferengi. I enjoyed it as a nice, lighthearted episode. Um, We're going to have some conflict about whether or not this is lighthearted. Do you consider this episode to be lighthearted, Clay? Or is this a darker Um, episode? 
uh, I think the tone is kind of light, but the the actual stuff that's going on is fairly dark. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, Stephen Cobb writes, the Nagus, some dark stuff going on in this one. The cycle mm. of abuse from Quark haranguing Rom, then Rom in turn yelling at Nog. Then the Nagus comes in and bullies Quark. Kind of a dark example of Ferengi society. In later seasons, uh, they are much lighter, safe of the misogyny. But I cannot help thinking while watching this episode, wow, that's a great way to mess up your kids. Um, yeah, we touched on all that. I, I also I did like um, where he makes he makes the the Ferengi equivalent of uh, asking his brother. He's telling his brother he thought he had bigger balls, but he says bigger loaves. bigger loaves. <laughs> In, uh, implying that the size of one's, you know, ear canal there yep. uh, seems to be the the uh, 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 stature of manu- manliness. <laughs> I think that's actually in canon. Is that they uh, they love uh, the the bigger the ears, the better the Ferengi is the way that they see it. Mm. Nick, Nick Sergi says, "I'm I might be in the minority, but I love the early Deep Space Nine episodes. They define the look and mood of the series, and the small stories set up the characters well. They're building for stories down the line, but pacing themselves pretty well. My favorite here is the Nagus. I love how the lighting, I love how the lighting, like the scenes before the Ferengi Council meeting, is heavy on shadows, despite how absurd and comical the episode is. Still hiding in your father's shadow. My father father casts a very long shadow. Be careful you don't disappear in it." How that scene is shot adds to the humor and Quark's reaction when Rom offers him to run the bar is perfect. Um, he did pull out what I thought was the best quote to the episode that's still hiding your mm-hmm. father's shadow and he casts a very long shadow and be careful you don't disappear in it. Um, that's a very mobby line, though, mm-hmm. uh, which maybe doesn't sit particularly well with me. Um, I have a question, though. Do you? Th- <laughs> so I, I can appreciate the thought that you know, oh, they look like they're, it looks like they're taking their time developing these characters and stuff. Do you think that they're doing that on purpose? Do you think that, like, in the writer's room at this point, they're thinking, all right, if we can just put the work in right now, by the time we get to season three, this will all pay off? No, they're, or, they're, they're absolutely not doing that. Yeah, it's, I don't, I don't, I appreciate, I appreciate the hindsight of that seeming what it looks like. Yeah. But I don't think that's what's happening. No, that's, um, the series is not as much of a pre-planned out thing as much of they do a very good job retconning stuff later yeah, on. Yeah. And they build off of what are early mistakes, in my opinion, and they fix them later on. That's good. Yeah. Um, so everything here, as you've been hearing, everything here sort of comes back in a lot of ways. They just get better at, at bringing it back and making it appealing to watch and appealing to sort of think about. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric McGowan writes the Nagus. While silly, the episode is surprisingly entertaining and does a good job with fleshing out the Ferengi characters and giving us more information about the culture as a whole. The friendship between Jake and Nog is the particular highlights. I do like the friendship between Jake and Nog. I think it does work. You don't get a lot out of them in this one, but I think that the the bones are there. And yeah, it's 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 taken. It's gonna take. I I thought it was pretty good here. It's gonna take me a little bit to get used to because generally I don't really like. Like I like the concept of kids on the starships and kids on the, but I, I so far it has not. They have not impressed me. I, I not in this show specifically, but just like in TNG or whatever. They have not. They have not impressed me with the way that they handle children on the Enterprise or children yeah, in yeah. Starfleet. Um, but they, they seem to be doing interesting stuff here, so I'm 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 willing to give it a chance. They don't they don't do a good job of really describing what they do during the day. Um, they obviously go to school, <laughs> but I don't know what the kids really get up to. They seem to they seem to have a lot of free time to just get into trouble. But it's it's not like there's an episode that's that's focused on what they are doing in their free time. Um, 
Last comment, Cal Barrett writes, I like the Nagus a lot. Not only does Deep Space Nine seem to be moving away from TNG's style of storytelling, but it's also fixing some of TNG's mistakes. The Ferengi are finally giving an interesting culture and hierarchy, and the episode balances humor with some dark moments and themes. The makeup is superb, which is a rare feat for Star Trek, and the episode is one of the season's best. Sin illiterate and fun, even if it has few lasting consequences for the series going forward. Um, certainly in terms of the Nagus, it doesn't really have a lot going forward for it. I'd agree with that. I think the, the Ferengi makeup is holding up pretty well. Um, I don't know if I like the episode a lot. I think that's it's kind of tough, but we'll we'll get into that. So, Clay, we'll give our final thoughts and ratings about this one. What would you give this guy on a scale of one to five? Um, well, based off of my previous ratings, I would have to give this one a three. Okay. Because... You're talking about uh, all the episodes you've seen so far. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, I, I don't remember what I what I gave the first couple, but um, I well I don't know maybe that's being too generous because it's it's not as bad as as uh, uh, what's it called shit or get off move, the pot? Move, move along home move along home it's not as bad as move along home it's but it's better I think than the Q episode if only better structurally yep. if not you know as far as interesting wise goes. Uh, but I think they can do better. Yeah. So I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna give it a th- a low three. Yeah. I, I would have liked you to have said that. Like, if if you were some executive at Paramount and you came yeah. into the writers' room, it's like <laughs> I think you can do better. Um, I'm gonna give it a two uh, because I think mm-hmm. that I think that, like you're saying the, the structure here is fine. This is just not a. You might have even heard it in the sort of the commentary we've been doing on the podcast. It's not a particularly exciting episode. Um, nothing really grabs your attention about it. It's really just, it's structurally sound, but not very interesting. It's like the most boring ranch house in a suburb, uh, cul-de-sac or something. It's like, this is fine, but it's not really going to pull. Yeah. It's not really going to get my heart going or anything. Well, I've noticed uh, that seems to be a problem so far is, uh, at least from the, the episodes I've watched, there seems to be a problem in generating excitement in the, in the setting that they have. Yep. Because it's either something like the last episode where it's completely fucking stupid and ridiculous and has no weight to it, or like the, which is very similar to the Q episode where it's like, you know, uh, it's just sort of happening because Q's here and there might be a, a weird bomb happening. But like it's very, feels very manufactured. Yeah. Or it's like, well, we have to fire up the thrusters on the, the entire space station and drive ourselves into a wormhole. You know, it's like, like there's no, like they haven't figured out the middle ground yet. Right. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's, if that's the same in the episodes I haven't, haven't watched, but it seems like they haven't quite figured out how to make a really compelling, really compelling action. I don't mean that like in the you know spectacle sense, but just like action and drama take place on the, on the space station. No, it's something I, ha- I hadn't thought about, but I think you're right. And I think it applies to all the episodes, even the ones that you haven't seen. They're having a, mm-hmm. they're having a very hard time. Do you think it's the, the nature of the station not moving? Or do you, like, I'm, I'm trying to think, like, early TNG, the episodes were bad, but I, I at least there was a, like, defining thing that was happening mm-hmm. that you're like, okay, this is stupid, but there is, like, a thing happening here, be it Wesley, you know, crushing some flowers and getting the death sentence or something like that. <laughs> um, here, I, I feel that they're... I feel that they're really trying to push the characters more than the plot at this point. And mm-hmm. the plots feel to me all like we've mentioned that they feel like warmed over TNG episode plots that they're just yeah. kind of throwing in here to see what these new characters would do with it. 
And uh, do you, do you think it's the station just not moving? Do you really think that's a, a big part of it? I wouldn't disagree. I'm just curious. Um, I think to an extent, a little bit. Not that it's not moving, but it's like I feel like the pitch for this show probably involves something to the extent of like, uh, uh, and it'll be really interesting to see how the crew deals with all these new, uh, um, all these new races that that cross through the paths of this sort of melting pot of races on the station. It's like, all right, that's fine, but I don't really, I don't, you're not making me care about any of these people yet. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's, it's the kind of thing where, like, I think they're doing it, I think they're doing it backwards. I think they, much like they kind of do in the first season of TNG, uh, even though it didn't really work there, I feel like it would work better here, maybe. I feel like they should be leaning a little bit more on plot, and, but you, what you should be getting from the plot is, insight on how these characters act and how these characters react as opposed to just they're they're jumping into character stuff i feel like and they're not really haven't really earned it yet yeah i, like I it's, it's it's not quite at least for me anyway i haven't I, I don't know what these characters are about enough to really care when you have like a uh a, a, a character heavy um a character heavy heavy episode so my one of my favorite episodes so far outside of the pilot is um an episode called The Passenger, which came out before this. It has a terrible plot in it, right? Like the plot mm-hmm. is just a, a complete joke by the time that it wraps up. The last 20 minutes are absurd. Um, however, it's one of the few episodes so far that's dealt with the characters are chafing under having to work together with the, uh, with like the Bajoran and how Starfleet interact with each other. It's the episode where the, um, the lieutenant security guard is introduced. He comes in and he's very Starfleet minded about how he handles stuff. And Odo has his own way that he runs security on the station. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the subplots work with the, the, the way that Cisco has to kind of stroke Odo's ego and manipulate Oga, Odo to work with Starfleet and also have Odo work on Cisco's side and everything. I feel like the series for all this backstory of like, layer of the wormhole and Bajor and everything that's going on. And like, it's a mix of Starfleet and Bajoran people on this station. None of the episodes really seem to care about examining any of that stuff. They're all, they're all mm. doing these weird sci-fi plots that are existing outside of it. And the best moments so far are coming from those character moments. Yeah. Yeah. Like in the last episode, which was, you know, pretty much hot garbage. Yes, absolutely. The, the best part was that scene uh, was that line that Cisco drops about, you know, it's a good thing you're not in charge then. I was like, okay, I'm learn. That tells me a lot about him. I mean, mean, maybe it feels like it's a, uh, maybe it might be a bit of a cliched line or whatever, but I, I feel like I learned more about him in that one line. And Dax the way that too. He's, you know, Dax yeah. would have left, yeah, would have left them behind. Yeah. Yeah. The way that they are reacting in that situation than I have in any of these long winded, like, talking scenes right you know (laughs) yeah right yeah i'd agree i think that's the i think that's the problem with the series so far is basically that kind of a point that they they they're doing the wrong stories in a lot of in a lot of ways Mm. um i'm gonna give it a two because i think that the the structure is fine but it's not particularly exciting you could have fixed this it's just not there yet it's a two out of five for me Guys, if you enjoyed the content, you can check out all the social media links in the podcast description, the video description. Um, you can go to patreon.com slash the Penske file. A couple dollars a month to get extra content, and you can leave feedback for the show. Like we just read from uh, some of the patrons, you can leave your thoughts about the episodes, and they'll get read on the podcast. Outside of I that, have a quest- yeah, go ahead. I have a question moving forward. Uh, there's a great episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer um, 
the name of which I can't remember. It's a fairly it's a fairly uh, well known name. I can't remember what it is, but it's a uh, it it in f- the entire episode follows the character of Xander, who's like the he's like the only person in the group who doesn't have any you know powers, mm-hmm. and it's kind of him going about his day while in the background. Everybody else is dealing with this like world-ending apocalyptic monster, but you're only seeing his side of it. Yep. And I was thinking, like, is do they do an episode anything like that on this show? I feel like this would be ripe for that, where it's like uh, Jake and Nog doing having some you know small adventure while like (laughs) while like Q is like (laughs) fucking with everybody else on the ship to the point where it's like gonna collapse or you know something like that. Do they do anything like that? I feel like this this setting is ripe for a story like that. I'm trying to think if they do something like that. I don't know if they do something as obvious as that. They do have... Um, there are going to be smaller stories told from their perspectives, but I don't, I don't think there's the one that you ever see like a cataclysmic event going on in the background while you're seeing those those mm-hmm. characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but they will settle into smaller stakes. I feel, I feel that could have been a TNG thing as well. They kind of did it with... Yeah. Um, lower decks in the seventh season where you're with the four new characters that you never met as the episode is going on in the background and you as a lower lower ranking officer aren't aware of what's going on in the background. Mm -hmm. Um, But no, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. People let me know if there is an episode that you can just put the title and we can be alerted to it. But other than that, uh, Clay, thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to, uh, well, frankly, to these getting a little better. Yeah. Got a long road to hoe. I think the next one you're on for is the last episode of the season, and that is it's called Duets, and it's what I think people have been tweeting at you that you should just you should be waiting for duet. Um, I don't want to oversell it, but it is it's an episode that moves the show in the right direction. They pick a storyline that makes sense, and it actually works. Um, I can't I can't wait to disappoint everybody. I know. I just feel like this is point of view. <laughs> it was the worst thing I've ever seen. Um, outside of that. I think that's it. Guys, thank you very much for listening and supporting the show. We'll be back with Vortex after this, which is Vortex is the one where Odo... That's right. Odo uh, meets someone who claims to have knowledge about his past. So we'll get to that when we get to it. But thank you very much for supporting the show. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time.